brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Delving past the headlines. Sorting media bias, exposing the propaganda, and challenging you to use your brain. It's time to tap into the truth. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed time to tap into the truth. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. Happy to be back here on Spreaker. I've been away a little while. Uh, Not necessarily intentionally, but I have been working on tapping to the truth at the website over uh, on Facebook, trying to keep the Facebook page with hot news topics of the day. Uh, Also trying to keep things going on Twitter as well. And unfortunately, so many hours in the day, so much to do, plus I'm also doing Tap Into The Truth on Blog Talk Radio only once a week over there right now. But uh, with the two-hour format and uh, operating on trying to get guests over there, it's a little bit easier to have folks call in and do the like. Uh, it is very time-consuming, but... I'm going to make a concerted effort from this point forward to make sure that Spreaker gets equal time because there's more freedom over here on Spreaker, and there's certainly more availability. I'm not going to go into a whole heck of a lot of news stories right now, even though there's a ton of things that we need to talk about. Benghazi is coming, new information, hot and heavy every day. We will not forget. It will not go away. Mr. Occupier, you... Miss Clinton, and now Mr. Kerry, who seems to think that it's still his continuing job to cover up for this. You guys need to understand the truth will come out. We will find out, and there will be no more room for you to hide. Also, very, very passionate, and will definitely be doing a show very soon in regards to the morning after pill. Uh, This Plan B being made available over-the-counter initially to girls 15 age, years 15 aging up. Now, no age limit at all as of Friday because of a judge's order. Definitely not happy with that. Definitely going to go into it. But what I wanted to do tonight is bring up the question of what America needs to know about Islam. Uh, The reason... I did this because this past Sunday, uh, Tapping to the Truth on Blog Talk was titled, 
is the room for Islam in America. And what I did is I set up two weeks in advance. I started doing research. I wanted to ask a question that had actually been on my mind since before the 9-11 attacks. But I had never adequately researched it, mostly because I, like a lot of Americans, were extremely busy and didn't have time to really delve into a religion other than my own. So I kind of took it at face value what the media was telling us. And that was, of course, that Islam is actually a religion of peace and that this is just a perversion of it that we're seeing that these Islamic radical uh, people have just twisted it. But, you know, I was never completely satisfied without hearing more details. I kind of accepted it. And, yeah, I'm typically a pretty laid-back guy when it comes to social issues. I'm not as hardcore as I am on the conservative and the limited government roles and the constitutionality of what our government should be allowed to do and not. I'm very, very conservative when it comes to constitutional limitation of government. I'm a little bit more libertarian when it comes to social issues, and my opinion is there. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe you answer for what you did, I answer for what I did. And as far as anything else is concerned, as long as what you're doing isn't directly affecting me or directly bothering me, then it's your business. It's not mine. And I want to make it quite clear at this point in time, before I go any further, I have no ill will towards Muslims. I am far more embracing and accepting of Muslims that are not engaged in any type of radicalized activities, which is not limited to going around and bombing places, by the way. But in the process, uh, I made contact with a, an author, a gentleman who's also an activist with the organization uh, Act for America. He's one of the leaders of the Los Angeles chapter, and he came onto the show this past Sunday, uh, and we talked for about 30 minutes about a book he had written and about his activities there. So I'm going to go ahead and do an early commercial break. I'm going to play for you that interview because it's a very good interview, and we discussed some of the more important parts about the actual faith of Islam as far as what actually is authentic Islam and it's done it very well in uh, the gentleman's book his name is John Steinreich and the name of his book is the words of God the Bible the Quran and how they're lived in a post 9-11 world so I'm also going to post information in regards to a website if you're interested in looking him up or looking up that. Before we do that, though, I also would like to point out, uh, for those of you who are interested in social networking with like-minded Tea Party people, I would highly recommend you check out teapartycommunity.com. I've got kind of an informal uh relationship with them at the moment and we're looking to better formalize that possibly even a sponsorship involved there if that's the case definitely hopeful that we can evolve and be of mutual benefit in the meanwhile feel free to check out teapartycommunity.com 
Basically, it's Facebook without all the liberals. And they're very actively doing a lot of things over there to help grassroots causes that, generally speaking, conservatives can really get behind. Everything from their uh, petition drive and a current contest for a banner of keep your hands off our guns to an upcoming site that's about to launch on another social issue that uh, is of very big importance to most conservatives. So hang with us. Let's get through the quick commercial break. And when we get back, we'll go straight into the interview. Uh, thanks for being with us. And we'll be right back. into the truth check us out at tapintothetruth.com for our latest blog post and for links to all of our past broadcasts don't forget to like us on facebook and to follow us on twitter that's tap into the truth right here on spreaker radio Yes, that's right. Right here on Spricker Radio, when you can catch us, be sure to check out tapintothetruth.com. That is our official website. Uh, definitely still looking to try and uh, continue to update it and improve it. But in the meanwhile, check it out. Send me a message and let me know what you think. While you're listening here, go ahead and like the show here. Follow us on Spreaker. Go ahead and check us out over on Blog Talk as well and follow the show there. Uh, like I said, the format's a little different and we are constantly having guests over. Uh, most recent guest, <coughs> excuse me, most recent guest for today uh, that I'm replaying the interview from Sunday, uh, John Stein, Steinreich, and we're going to go ahead and play that interview right now. I hope that everyone uh, enjoys listening to the interview, and well, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like for you to welcome to the show today's very special guest. Mr. John Steinreich. Uh, John, thank you for coming to the, onto the show and talking a little bit uh, to us. Uh, go ahead and uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to you and your uh, your guest. But basically, I'm calling on behalf of Act for America, which uh, many of your listeners may be listening, uh, are familiar with. It's an organization that was established about six or seven years ago, really with the intent to raise awareness um, to the, the concerns of uh, radical Islam that have been happening in our country. And it's a nonpartisan organization, so there's no real political agenda other than to really educate people and inform folks as to what's going on um, in, in, uh, in regards to how radical Islam has been uh, growing and influencing our society and kind of raising the awareness among people 
have you guys been doing uh, in regards to trying to help educate folks? Well, the organization um, it works on the grassroots level, so there's over 100,000 people across the country that are involved in local chapters, and they they do outreach uh, in the sense of uh, holding regular meetings where they inform folks on legislation and various uh, things that are happening in the community, and they're also with a pretty significant presence on Capitol Hill. They, they do have a full-time lobbyist in Washington, D.C. that raises the awareness in Congress to uh, concerns of, of radical jihadism and so forth. Um, so it's, it's both on the local level and on the national level the organization is operating. Okay, I would imagine uh, you probably run into a lot of resistance with that. Uh, who have been some of your more outspoken uh, opponents? Well, in large measure, uh, probably the most outspoken opponent is, is CARE, which is uh, an organization that's pretty well known. The acronym stands for Council on American Islamic Relations, and they're a large lobbying group as well um, that uh, ostensibly their, their purpose is, uh, you know, on the surface is to uh, combat what's commonly referred to as Islamophobia, which, uh, you know, is debatable as to whether it exists or not. But it's an organization that relatively vigorously opposes action America because they, they seem to think that we have an agenda to try to dismantle um, the Muslim community in the United States, which is not, not the case at all. Uh, really what we're trying to do is educate people about the nature of Islam and the, the radical political agenda of uh, you know, the, the practitioners, the sort of fundamentalist Islam. Okay. Um, as you've uh, been doing uh, this educational procedure and of course moving forward with uh, trying to educate everyone you of course have care um, have you run into any issues while lobbying uh, with any particular senators or congressmen um, since I'm here on the west because I haven't personally had any uh, you know information about that I couldn't I couldn't state specifically any particular uh, folks in Congress that would have uh, Local opposition, but what what I've heard from you know being able to follow what the national organization is doing is that it, there's a small number of people in Congress that have gravitated toward an understanding of uh, of the issue at hand, and a lot of that the majority, unfortunately, are not not finding uh, you know a, how shall I say it? Um, you know they, they haven't been persuaded you know to move beyond politically correct positioning. Uh, we were actually on a, a leadership conference call with Michelle Bachman about two weeks ago, and she described that, you know, there are a handful of folks in Congress, you know, Louis Gohmert is one, she's one, and um, Peter King in New York, that they have really come aboard and understand the, the concerns about what's going on with jihadism in the United States, but unfortunately, the, the vast majority, as she described it, of members of Congress of both parties really are, are handcuffed in a way that they're, they're really afraid to speak out or address the issue in any kind of public way, because it really isn't politically correct at this time. Right. And that kind of goes back to the, the very essence of the two questions you started out when you wrote your book. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, I have been reading your book. I haven't completely finished it, uh, time constraints being what they are, but I have very much, very thoroughly enjoyed reading it, and I have to say, Thank you. I want to give you four Full kudos on making every effort to try and remain as completely unbiased as you could early on. But I kind of noticed probably about halfway through 
it seems to be getting harder and harder for you to have an unbiased feeling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's 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 true. I, I did. I appreciate you commenting on that. I really, as best as I could, I, I tried to be as objective as possible. And it, of course, it's difficult for any writer because anytime you come to a work of nonfiction, you're going to come with a point of view. And I, I, I'm unafraid to say that I'm a Christian. I'm evangelical Christian, I'm, and I'm, I'm proud to wear that. And I believe very deeply in Christian principles, Christian values, in the Bible. So you know, that's definitely my my slant. But I, I thought it was. A, just, just as I don't like people coming at Christianity and making assertions about it as, as a faith without any knowledge, I attempted to study Islam as much as I could with an open mind and try to give the readers of, of the book as much of an open perspective. But yes, indeed, it was difficult. The more I read, the more I researched, the more I wrote on it to, to keep it <laughs> from, from being, you know, slanted heavily in favor of Christianity as opposed to Islam. Right. Well, uh, one of the things I really did appreciate about the book, too, besides that, uh, is you kind of took, once you got into a chapter-by-chapter chapter level, you took things that uh, are very secular, mainstream media, and our secular lifestyle here, tends to use as points to attack Christianity. Mm -hmm. And you pointed out through Scripture where some of those are primarily misconceptions and then you pointed out the Islamic view on the same topic, and it seems like uh, it seems like Islam gets a free pass on a lot of this stuff. And it seems like, you know, I if there's anything in particular uh, before we go into specifics, uh, let me go back mm -hmm. and ask you this question: How long uh, did you really work on researching it before you started uh, writing the book? Okay, well, it was about seven years, Tim. Um, what happened to me uh, personally is I, uh, you know, 9-11 was what sort of woke me up. I remember, and, and I wrote about it in the book, is, you know, walking into the gym that morning, not knowing what had happened and seeing it on TV, and I was really stunned. I think most Americans saw it. We were shocked uh, at what had happened, and we thought, you know, this, this can't be real. And then, uh, you know, immediately thereafter, you know, we heard the narrative that was put out in the media and the government, well, it's a religion of peace, and you got a bunch of crazy guys that just sort of misinterpreted what the, the religion was and, the way, and did this half cock crazy thing. And I, I, I got curious because something in my gut said, you know what, uh, that's not satisfactory because I as a Christian know, uh, you know, that people have lambasted Christianity over, over time and said crazy things and, you know, ascribed to things that are not true Christianity uh, based on the scriptures. And I wanted, I was curious, I said, all right, well, if this is the case, if, if, if in fact the government media is telling us the truth, that Islam is a religion of peace, then when I open up the Quran, then I'll, I'll find that and uh, I will confirm that. So I began to read and research everything I possibly could. I, I got a copy of the Quran from, from CARE, uh, so it was an authorized version with very detailed footnotes. And I read uh, supporting literature, which is called the Hadith, and I studied anywhere and everywhere, both the apologists and the uh, for Islam and the opponents thereof. And, you know, after about seven years of digesting this, at every possible opportunity, my head was just swimming. And uh, I discovered really the 
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
there's not a lot of closeness at all. So, I mean, there's a great separation in, uh, between man and God and the two religions. But when you, you know, compare those side by side, it, it makes for a very stark contrast as to the culture and the society that grows up bathed in, in, in those concepts of God. I, their, their whole concept of salvation is very different, too. Yes. It, it absolutely is. It's, you know, we understand, uh, at least in Protestant Christianity, that we can't work our way toward heaven. That basically, you know, our good works are an outpouring of, of the grace that God has given us, and we are—we you know, are saved by God's grace. So there's no amount of good works that we can do to earn our way into heaven. When you read in the Quran, I think you find that the only guaranteed way to get into heaven is actually to die as a martyr in the pursuit of uh, aggressive jihad. And that, to me, is, is, again, a shocking and stark difference between the religions. And I venture to guess that most people in America don't realize that. Well, yeah, I think our extremely limited access to the actual teachings uh, in the Quran uh, most of us have very little interest in, uh, well, I mean, unfortunately, let's face it, in our secular lifestyle today, very few of us are spending uh, enough attention to our professed religions, let alone to take the time to, to study someone else's. Absolutely. Uh, but it's only through comparison and contrasting these things that we really get a good idea. I mean, that, to me, was one of the most shocking things. It's the first thing that occurred to me when I read that, and I was reading that in your book particularly, and then I came across it more, because I actually used a lot of the same sources that you referenced to go back and do my research, and then I found a few more. Uh, but it, it just absolutely struck me, how could someone who believes the only way into heaven is through deeds <laughs> somehow equate uh, the killing of innocent people and that making you martyr and that be your guaranteed way in. Yeah, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very upside down from what we in the West understand. I mean, it's, it's antithetical to our thought process. So, you know, even as secular as our society is, at least at this juncture in our history, we are... Um, uh, influence still our culture of right, you know, our, our sort of our rights and our wrongs in, in Western civilization, as secular as it is, still has it on straight. There, there's no secularist who would say that it's a good thing to kill other people uh, in in the name of, you know, advancing your point. At least, at least they wouldn't say it publicly now. But in Islam, you know, when you really dig down into it, you'll find that yes, in fact, it's permissible, it's allowable, it's endorsed, it's you know, authentic. To say yes, you know, you are allowed as a Muslim to kill the unbeliever wherever you find them. That's Quran chapter nine five, and that's lauded as a holy doctrine. And uh, that, that to me is what has been from, from the moment I discovered it to this very moment that we're speaking now, been shocking, appalling, and frightening. Yeah, and I think if most uh, non-Muslims were aware of that, they would feel the same way. I mean, yeah. how can it not? I have absolutely frightened you that maybe somebody who's moved in next to you uh, could possibly be a jihadist. <laughs> and yeah. uh, next next month they could be planning to blow up something in your downtown square. And, yeah. you know, in the meanwhile, they seem nice enough. Yeah, you know, you well, can interact with what them. The, yeah, isn't that really what the picture was of these uh, the, the Sarnaya brothers in Boston? You know, they're 
gym and boxing and all this stuff. They thought they seemed like nice guys taking pictures, posting on Facebook, tweeting, <laughs> all of that stuff. And then next day, they show up with, you know, WMD uh, at the Boston Marathon, you know, ready to kill an eight-year-old child who, you know, Martin Richard is now gone to be with God in heaven at eight years old because his mother's sister laying mutilated in the hospital. It's, you know, we don't know. And something else I think is really important to for people, you know, to understand in all of this is that not not only is it endorsed in the Quranic and Hadithic teachings to, you know, that violence is permissible and even acceptable um, as, as a means of advancing Islam and getting one to heaven, is that it's permissible in all of the, the Islamic doctrine to be deceitful and to actually speak out of both sides of your mouth, particularly when you're dealing, if you're a Muslim, and dealing with a non-Muslim. And that, that makes it even more dangerous. So as you were describing, you know, if my neighbor moves in next door to me and he's a Muslim and he seems like a nice guy, well, you know, obviously I'm not going to treat him badly, but there's no way to honestly know his degree of fidelity to Islam, and there's no way to know whether, you know, he's being nice to me because he's a decent guy and doesn't practice the political or the aggressive jihadist form of Islam, or whether he's just withholding and hiding it because it is permissible. Um, but there's a, an interesting commentary that I discovered that was written on the Quran around the 14th century by a, a very noted Islamic scholar named Ibn Kathir. And what he described in um, his analysis of the Quran is that, you know, it was okay for Muslims to uh, be separated from the rest of the world and hold, you know, animosity toward non-Muslims in their heart. They could have treaties, they could be nice to them, uh, shake their hand on the surface, but still hold resentment and hatred in their heart towards the non-Muslim. And it's, it's, an, it's an author, an Islamic commentator, you know, 700 years after Muhammad's time and 700 years before our time recognized this. Well, it's no different today. You know, it's, it's, we can say from its origin, really, that's the way Islam has always been. It's like it withholds from non-believers any kind of genuine friendship that places itself higher and, and permits, you know, the aggressive uh, jihadism to be part of the fabric of the faith. And in fact, in part of your book, uh, you actually talk about uh, making the distinction in how Christianity and then Islam uh, is taught to deal with uh, the Jewish people, yes. uh, how they're taught to deal with women, and these are a couple of uh, very surprising points that you think that if the American left was a little more aware of, they might mm -hmm. not be so quick to protect the extremist uh, members of the Islamic faith. Yep. Uh, yeah. If you don't care, uh, if you would like to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about that. Sure, those, those are two areas that I think are, are very critical in understanding, uh, you know, the risk that the West faces with Islam. Um, so let me we'll talk, you know, about both of those subjects. The way uh, that Christianity and, and Islam talk about women is really, really difficult, uh, or very different, I should say. Uh, in, 
kind of start heading towards wrapping it up because we are inside that last four minutes of the show, and there really is just so much stuff to go over. I, I wish we could have had you on for a full two hours, quite honestly, but time constraints being what they are, you having your schedule, I want to go ahead and thank you very much for taking a, a part of your very busy Sunday. Uh, is there any other projects you've got going on, either with ACT with America or anything else personally going on, or just anything yeah. you want to throw your two cents in? Yeah, yeah. Like, a couple, couple of things. First of all, for your listeners, I would really encourage everyone to visit actforamerica.org. And if you're not signed up to receive a newsletter, sign up there. You can also donate. The founder is a gal named Bridget Gabriel, who was actually a victim of Islamic terrorism in the 70s in uh, Lebanon. And she had a very, very powerful testimony, but you can be really well informed. Actforamerica.org. If anybody wants in my book, my website is lulu.com backslash spotlight backslash PDF bookstore. And my current project that I'm working on is a follow-up to, to the work of God. The next book I'm writing is called The Hands of God. And I, I found some Christian converts from Islam, and I'm kind of digging into their lives and seeing how Islam affected their family and their lifestyle and their thought process and how that differs from their life once they converted to Christianity. And it gives me another platform to talk about Sharia law and the Quran and the Hadith and so forth. And so I really appreciate, you know, this opportunity. And I, I definitely wish your listeners well, Tim, and God bless America. Well, again, thank you very much for giving up some of your time. Uh, God bless you for all the effort and time that you're thank taking you. to put forth. And I look forward to uh, your new book. I hope you'll uh, send uh, me a, a little bit of information once it's out and available, because I'll definitely be looking for it. And uh, hopefully, uh, you, hopefully you'll come back on and talk to us about that once you're uh, I, ready to do I, that. I, I would be delighted to. Thank you so much. Take care now. Tap into the truth. Check us out at tapintothetruth.com for our latest blog posts and for links to all of our past broadcasts. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. That's Tap Into The Truth right here on Spreaker Radio. Yes, that's right. Right here on Spreaker Radio, it is indeed Tap Into The Truth, and we are winding down tonight's show. We've just finished listening to the interview with John Steinreich, a noted author of a very well-written book that compares and contrasts the primary differences between Christianity and Islam. I will go ahead and put a link, uh, put list, a couple of links that have been mentioned in today's show in uh, the show information. So if anybody decides to check this particular broadcast out from the archives, uh, the description of the show will have those links available. Uh, so if you're interested in looking it up, one of the links I will put in is a direct link that will allow you the opportunity to take a look at the book and possibly go ahead and purchase it. It is still currently available in paperback and as an ebook. Uh, I recommend uh, downloading the ebook. It was easy enough. I certainly did that myself as part of my research getting ready. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, 
when I started this, it was basically I decided it was time to answer the questions that I never took the time to answer uh, immediately following 9-11. I have always been very accepting, and I am definitely the type of person who firmly believes that we have to accept the Constitution, and in doing so, we have to accept all of the Constitution, not just the parts we like and ignore the parts we don't. That's something that uh, the so-called progressives like to do, and ultimately they do that because, number one, they like redefining things in the first place. It's the only way they typically win arguments. But number two, they also very much like to denigrate parts of the Constitution, knowing that, in essence, an attack on any part of it is an attack on the whole thing. Eventually, you can destroy the Constitution completely if you get enough people to ignore enough parts of it. That is part of our constitutional uh, setup, the establishment is the freedom of religion. Freedom of religion to me is probably the single most important part of our nation's history because by all rights it is essentially what brought the pilgrims to Plymouth Rock in the first place and that's what led to our country being founded. So I'm always hesitant about even questioning or attacking someone based on their belief system. I, I'm very uh, laid back and accepting just about any view. And like I said before, as far as I'm concerned, I will sit and talk to you about my faith if you want to talk to me about it. But when it comes right down to it, your business is your business. You're the one who will have to answer for it. I'm not going to try and force anything on you. But... As I did my own research and as I kind of followed the precepts and I read John's book and I also read several of the suggested uh, sources that he used for his research. And like he said in the interview, he researched it for over seven years before he wrote it. So he's coming from a point of knowing that stuff backwards and forwards. I'm not quite there yet, but I am going to continue to do so. I am. I'm much closer to finishing uh, the book, although there is uh, one chapter left, uh, as I had promised that I would be reading it. But I'm also still looking more at the Quran and at some of the Hadith literature to see if there's a flaw, to see if there's something wrong. And so far, I haven't found it. And I have to say, while I'm very accepting of other people's beliefs, that I have very, very strong concerns about what actually is taught as part of authentic Islam. In fact, I really understand the point of view of the people who have come out in the past and have said that it's actually not even a religion, that it is, in fact, a cult. Because what we would legally define as a cult, it kind of fits that definition. Now, I'm not sitting here and attacking any individual, and my teachings have always been love the sinner, hate the sin, and so 
in, a, in accordance with Christian values, I'm going to pray for folks to see the light and hope that nobody commits acts of violence or atrocity in the name of any god. In the meanwhile, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up this show. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the interview. Hope you're willing to ask the questions. A lot of us are afraid to ask the questions right now because it's so politically incorrect to do it. But these are things, as Americans, we need to know. Even as just non-Muslims, we need to know. We need to start asking the questions. Stop being afraid. In the meanwhile, this has been Tap into the Truth. Remember to use your brain. Don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Do the research. And good night, everybody. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.